we have talked about, I've talked about uh, following Christ, and then Vincent last week talked about called to go. Today, I changed the topic a bit. Instead of called to love and suffer, changed to called to extend, extend the, the kingdom of God. And if you can remember, the first uh, sermon I talked about, God has what? God has a plan for us, God has grace for us, and God has a mission for us. And because of that, um, Vincent preached a very good sermon last week. Talks about how as we, God have a mission for us, we just do the laps. Do what you're faithful in doing, and then give up your small ambitions, your selfish ambitions for God's purpose. For God's purpose. But as you look at this, giving up, some people when you think about the word giving up, it's like, wow, siong. I love these things. I enjoy this thing. Now you want me to give up on this. It seems like a bit difficult. But C.S. Lewis has a very interesting perspective about this area, about our, our kind of ambitions. It is not about giving up. But he's saying something that is very interesting. He's saying that something that enlarging your ambition. Let me read to you. If you consider the unflush, unblushing promises and of reward and staggering nature of rewards promised in the gospel, it will seem that our Lord finds our desire not st- too strong, but too weak. Your ambitions, your zeal, too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drinks and sex and ambitions when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what it meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. You see what he's saying here? You and I, we are created for holidays, big holidays in heaven, greater things. And if earthly pleasures, though it's helpful, if you get stuck at this only, then your ambition is too small. You are too easily satisfied. Your desire are, are too weak. What the world have to offer, which is good, you have a security in uh, accumulation of some of our wealth, prestige in your work, acceptance from human love, control from power and authority, satisfaction with whatever achievement. These are good, but compared to the future, compared to what God has to offer for us, these are like making mud pies in the slum. You are made for bigger desire. You are made for bigger than this. Focus on those things. It is not about giving up your ambitions, but enlarging your ambitions for greater things. God has to offer. Don't play around with small things when you have bigger things God has for you. Paul had this particular desire. Paul was zealous. And he was zealous, zealous for the wrong thing. But when he found the right thing, which is God himself, the gospel of Jesus Christ, he turned around. And this is what he says, Paul. He said, I count all my earthly ambitions, all my earthly achievements as what? Worth nothing compared to what Christ had to offer. So he said, it is not about giving up. It's so easy. I just enlarge it bigger and then take on what the bigger things. This is what... I hope to encourage us today. We are called to extend God's kingdom. We are called to extend God's purpose. And we look at this God's purpose, God, what we are destined for in heaven. Then our appetite will increase. Then we look at some of these things. It's easy. 
in the midst of doing our study, in the midst of doing our work, we will think about what God has to offer. However, when we extend, talk about God's purpose, there will be challenges. There will be, we look at ourselves, there will be weaknesses. There will be difficulties along the way. In the midst of difficulties along the way, we can totally easily forget what God's purpose is all about, what God's work is all about. So today, I'm going to look at uh, three aspects about this area, that God is still working out His purpose through us, despite several things that happen in our lives. First of all, God works despite our human dispute, disagreement among humans. Interesting, right? When we think about Apostle Paul, we think about him as a giant, spiritual giant. He's a great man of faith. He's a great man who teach about love. Husband, love your wife. Wife, uh, love your husband. Submit to your husband. He's a man talk about human relationship. We don't think about him as having any weaknesses or having any kind of uh, issues. But today, we're going to look at this. God can, he still have issues, but God is still working. God is still working. Let me give you the context. If you have the Bible, you can turn to Acts uh, 16. If not, they can just look up here. The Bible, before this, Vincent mentioned, uh, preached about the first missionary journey. They have a first missionary journey. After the first missionary journey, the church also has dispute. Okay? When the first church started, there were dispute already in church about how to feed, who to feed the widows, who gets the feeding. And then it was settled. And later on, there was another theological issue. The Gentiles, people like me who are non-Jews, if you become Christians, do we need to follow some of the Jewish law, like circumcisions, like following some of the... Do we need to convert to become a Jew before you can become a Christian? And there was a council. There was dispute. And then finally, the council was... Uh, they come out to a resolution, no need. It's of salvation by grace and the good news was preached around. Then after a while, verse 36, Paul said this to Barnabas, let's go back. I have established churches, I have appointed leader. Shall we just go back and take a look? How are the churches doing? They say, good ideas. Next. Okay, next one. 30. Okay, never mind. These are the churches that they have uh, established and then they want to go back. They are now at Antioch there. That's when, they are, uh, and then they want to go back to the rate will be the second journey that they're going to take. But who to take? Can we go back to that verse, uh, verse 37, Barnabas? Okay, this. Verse 37. Barnabas wanted to take John, who is called Mark. That's Barnabas' cousin, John Mark. But Paul did not think it was wise for him to take him because he had deserted him and Pamphylia and they could had not continue with their work. Yes. At the first journey, um, John Mark came along but it seems like John Mark didn't do the good job. Halfway through, he said, I cannot take it. It is too difficult. He gave up that particular uh, journey. So the second journey, Paul said, let's don't take John Mark because I don't think he made the cut. Whereas Barnabas, being a man of grace, man of encouragement, his name is son of encouragement. He's the one who helped Paul 
He said that, let's give John a second chance. Let's take John into, uh, into this journey. And let's look at what happened. Verse 39. They have a sharp disagreement. These are two strong church leaders. At the beginning, they have such sharp disagreement that they parted ways. Barnabas took Mark, sailed to Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of God. They went through Syria, Sicilia, strengthening the church. The word there, sharp argument. The original in Greek means provoking, stirring up, rousing. There is a certain level of violent anger among these two uh, apostles, these two people who are disagreement about whether to take John, Mark or not. Who is right? Who is wrong? It was not recorded here. We do not know. I believe both are right. Both are right. Maybe at that time, John Mark was not ready for the work. Paul, which is more task-focused leader at that time, he felt he was disappointed with Mark. He felt that no, he's not ready. Let's not take him. Whereas Barnabas were more people-oriented. And then he said that, let's give him another chance. And then he was given another chance. But despite the particular dispute, God's work continued. Right now, instead of one missionary team, they have two missionary teams. God used both. Acts only recorded the part where uh, Paul and Silas, but then Barnabas and John Mark did establish something. Why? How do I know that? Because later on, John Mark went on to become a great man of God and under the authority and discipleship of Apostle Peter, he wrote the second book of the Bible, a uh, second book of the, of the New Testament, Matthew, yes, Mark, the book of Mark. I must find out Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, okay. Second book of the New Testament, Mark. And Paul himself, later on, he said, after a certain time, he said, bring Mark to me because he was useful to me. So Mark was established back. There was no grudges. There was no um, kind of uh, putting him down. So what do we learn from here? That Christian works, sometimes there will be disputes. Not because one is right or one is wrong, because there will be disagreement and God allowed for that disagreement. And God still works in the midst of all this disagreement. In the midst of this, perhaps Paul learned to have greater hope in people. Barnabas, what does he learn? He learned about being given a second chance. Barnab no, uh, Mark learned about second chance. Barnabas learned about believing in people is worthwhile. God sovereignly overruled the dissensions and then created two missionary journeys instead of one. In the same way also, as we look at this, we can also learn, when we look at people, particularly I look at myself, sometimes we can be too quick to say, the person, or the person cannot, cannot move anymore. He has failed, he has certain weaknesses, let's not use him. But to see that God's sovereignty is still at work, people, there is still hope. God can still work. And despite our dispute, God's movement continues to work. So that's the first point here. God works despite our dispute. Second one, God works despite things do not go as unexpected. I was trying to find a one word to summarize this, couldn't. So put it at this. 
Let's look at the next slide. This is the map again. Okay, there was John Mark there, the dispute. And then they were they traveled along. And the Bible says certain parts the Holy Spirit say go, certain parts Holy Spirit don't go. And then they are prevented from going into Asia Minor, which is the north. But then they begin to move to the west. Imagine if God say move to the east. Move to the east. Then today, uh, the people that send missionary will be China. People who are receiving the mission field will be the European. But God chose in His sovereign will choose to go west. So Christianity went to west first. So they moved a particular place there. And let me just go to the next verse, uh, next slide. Let me read from verse 8. So they pressed on to Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul at Troas had the vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, they got ready at once to leave for Macedonia concluding that God have called them to preach the gospel to them. So they go all the way, go back to the previous uh, slide about the map. Man. They go all the way to the Troas there, and then they receive a vision, a Macedonian. Macedonia would be from the top there, Philippi. That's the capital city of Macedonia. There was a man waving come. So they conclude that God has spoken to them to go to bring the gospel all the way to Macedonia, to Philippi. So they went and then begin to preach. And there was some fruit. First, there was a lady named Lydia. Lydia. And there were some fruit, people coming to know the Lord. And while they were preaching, uh, there was a slave girl which was demon-possessed. And this slave girl disturbed them, keep on saying things like, here is a man of God. Though he was saying the truth, but it was causing such a disturbance that Paul cannot take it anymore. In the name of Jesus Paul cast out the demons from this servant girl. But the owner was, realized that because she don't have a demon, the owner will lose the source of income. Let's look at what happened. Verse 19, next. When the, her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged him to the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrate and said, These men are Jews. They are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating custom unlawful for us Romans to accept our practice. Next. The crowd joining the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped, beaten with rods. Then they were severely flogged. They were thrown into prison. The jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received this order, he put them in an inner cell, fastened their feet in stocks. God called them to Macedonia. It was God's idea. So they went in obedience. Yes, there were fruits, but few. Just Lydia and her family. And next moment, they were put into prison. Next moment, they were, things don't go as planned. If I were poor at that time, I would be very discouraged, maybe a bit disturbed. Maybe disillusion. What happened? You called me here and now I ended up in jail. I cannot be turned. And then how am I going to preach the gospel to these people? I'll be like a criminal right now. I would have no credibility. I'll be a criminal. How can I bring in the gospel in this particular area? 
It was not smooth sailing. But Paul was not discouraged because Paul knew these are all parts of God's plan. God is still working despite things don't work that because he recognizes the sovereignty of God as well as the oppositions from the evil one. Then instead of moaning and complaining to God, instead of questioning God or bitter at God, Paul chose to focus on God in singing to God. Let's look at the next verse. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, singing hymns to God, and other prisoners were listening to them. With their blood still dripping, instead of moaning, instead of complaining, they recognized that God is still working. And if God is still working, God is still sovereign, the enemies are attacking I have reason to give thanks. I have reason to praise the Lord. I have reason to worship God. So they were singing and worshipping God loudly. Loudly. Then I began to ask myself, when things don't go right, is my first reaction worshipping God? If it's not, then what happened? Maybe I've lost sight about God is working. Lost sight the sovereignty of God. God can work despite whatever kind of challenges. So they worship the Lord and look at what happened. Next slide. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors fell open and everyone chains came loose. Came loose. That's power in worship. That's power. Vincent mentioned about that last week, about when we come together to worship God, God works. There is power in, in, in this particular. Praise and worship is a powerful weapon. God responded by shaking the foundations and there was earthquake and everything was let, set loose. But the miracle is that not just there was an earthquake, the miracle was, a, a greater miracle would be all the prisoners were there. None escaped. Why? Why? I believe the prisoner was sitting down there before the earthquake, they were listening to Paul's worship. And then when earthquake happened, he rec- they realized that there's a connection between this God that Paul was worshipping and this earthquake. There was a shaking. There's a strong connection. They were in awe and they sat still. They sat still. But the jailer did not know about this. Next slide. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and about to kill himself because he thought the prisoner had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailers called for lights and rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Next. He then brought them out and said, Sir, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? He was so awed by the power of God, the presence of God, that he asked, he recognized that he had sinned against God that he needs salvation. That's why he asked the questions. And this is not a Jew. This is a Roman God, a Gentile. But he could have heard something about salvation. That's why he asked the first question, what can I do to be saved? And this, to be saved, he had to do with this God who have created this particular earthquake and making the prisoner steal. Verse 31, they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds, and immediately he and all his household 
were baptized. Were baptized. This jailer, he did not know that the, the prisoner was still around. That's why he wanted to commit suicide. Commit suicide. Paul interrupted him. And guess what? Salvation was brought to the place. And not just him, but his family too. And he was baptized at the same time. Okay. A side note here. Those of you who are not baptized, it's time to get baptized. Look at the jailer. He didn't wait. He received the Lord Jesus Christ. Right there, right where he is, he got baptized. It's a declaration to the world that we believe in Jesus Christ. Declaration to the world that I died with Christ when I go down in the water, I raise up with Christ, come out with water alive, and I'm going to declare it to the whole world. And God commanded us. So those of you who are not baptized, don't wait. Don't wait. It's time to get baptized. Next. Verse 35. And it was daylight. The magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with an order. Release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrate have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens and threw us into prison. And now they want to get rid of us quietly. No, let them come themselves and escort us out. So the question now is, how come Paul, you didn't say early, then you have saved all the beating that you are, you are Roman citizens, okay? <clears throat> before that, I have mentioned before, uh, in the, the, first, the first sermon, you see how God is at play here. Paul is a Roman citizen. Roman citizens come with rights, okay? This right is right for trial. Perhaps I can only speculate, uh, Luke didn't record here. He only speculate. Maybe there was no opportunity for him to testify that he was a, a, a Roman uh, citizen because the crowd was crowding and everything happened so fast. And even if he said anything, you perhaps will not be heard. So he was beaten. And now the question is, why did Paul now ask for a public release? That the officer, why can't he just give the other chick, turn the other chick and just let things go? That's what Christ said. People make you go one mile, uh, you go the second mile. Hit you on the right cheek, give him the left cheek. Why did this time he said, no, justice, justice. I believe it is for the young church that is growing in Philippi. Because if Paul were to just quietly go and things were not resolved, this young church will be persecuted both by the people as well as by the authority. So by Paul making a stand that no, you have done something wrong, you come down, you escort me out, you have done wrong, Paul is establishing the credibility of the message as well as the people, the church there, so they don't come and disturb and catch out and continue to persecute the, the people in Philippi. And guess what? After Paul left, the church grew. That's why today we have the book, uh, the letters to Philippians. The church grew. There were little, I believe there were little persecution there because of these actions of Paul. Next, verse 38. The officers report this to the magistrate and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them, escorted them from prison, requesting them to leave the city. 
After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. Then they left. So what do we learn from here? We learn that God is still working when things don't go work out in plans. I know some of you have this desire. Maybe you want to share the gospel to your family or you want to implement something. You want to stand up for certain rights, certain things that is right. as what taught in the Bible in your workplace. But things, you face oppositions. Recognize that God is still sovereign. As long as you are faithful, God will continue to do His work. For Paul, it was immediate relief. For us, sometimes it may not get immediate relief. It might take a certain while. But don't stop believing that God is still working. God is still working. We continue to plow on what God has called us to do, what is right. And we also need to recognize there is a real enemy out there, Satan and his demons. They are opposing the work of God. And one way to fight against these oppositions is to bring worship is to bring worship into, into the, the presence. And, and that's what I would like to do sometime also. And I go home, I will worship God when I face... And that's what those of you who, who work in the office, uh, this is something that you can do. You bring worship into the office place. You just arrive earlier, nobody there. You worship the Lord. Bring the presence of the Lord into the office. You worship God. You bring God. You pray. You worship God. Lunchtime, you put on your headphone, you can worship God lunchtime where you are. In the universities, in the school, every corner, you can bring the presence of God to by exalting God high and let God fight the enemy when you face oppositions. And sometimes when we face opposition, the first thing we do is sometimes we, we get discouraged or we get disillusioned, but we forget the powerful weapon God gave to us. Worship. And if you look at the Old Testament, there were incidences where the enemy were there, ready to fight. And when God's people put worship leader at the front, God fought for them because the battle belongs to the Lord. And I like to encourage you. Some of you stay with non-Christian families. I stay with non-Christian families. You go in the house, worship, bring the guitar, bring the just play worship songs, and you'll see the atmosphere change. Some of you are fearful at night, sleep, ring the servant. Worship. So bring worship. Either you go to your office very early or you'll be the last one to leave. Lah. Nobody around, you blast the whole worship with a uh, whole, as you do your work, you just blast it with worship. And then continue to pray and bring God into the picture. And after Philippi for Paul, he went on to Thessalonica. Again, there were ministry, but there were oppositions. Then he went to Berea. There were ministry, there were uh, fruits, again there were oppositions. Then he went to Athens, smart people. He preached there, a little bit of fruits, but this time there was no oppositions because they, they don't see him uh, a threat. And Paul went on his work. But all these seeds of gospel has been planted. That is why today we know of churches there and we have the book of Thessalonica. The letters Thessalonica and also the Philippines. Because God is still working. Despite opposition. I want to share with you, uh, I know that the youth is covering this series called Heroes of Faith. At the same time, my son also brought back some video and I've watched before in the past video from our church library series on Heroes of Faith. 
So today I want to share with you two heroes of faith in the past, how God works through their life. Okay, next. Today I want to share the story of William Tyndale. How many have watched the, the cartoon of William, William, William Tyndale? Okay. Those of, who use the King James Bible? Who still use the King James Bible here? <laughs> Don't have. Huh? Nobody you. Jeremy Lau not here. Yeah. <laughs> use the King James Bible. Okay. 80-90% of the King James Bible are greatly influenced by the Bible translated by this guy called William Tyndale. Sadly, to say, during the time, it was the 1500th time, okay, before the Reformations uh, happened, the Bible were only available in Latin or Greek or Hebrew. There was no Bible was translated into the common language. And the people who know the Word of God are the clergy, so-called the priests. And guess what? The, preach, the, pre, the priests were, were preaching things that are not directly from the Bible, but from himself. And as a result, the common people have no opportunity to read the Word of God. And then came this guy called William Tyndale. He mastered eight languages. He knows he's a gifted man. And as he read the Word of God, he said that this Word of God cannot be just hold on, cannot be just uh, by the clergy. Everybody can have the rights to preach the Word of God. But because the, the authority of the church, the people there, were, were so-called corrupted, they don't want the common people to read the Word of God. It is illegal for common people to read the Word of God. Illegal. You cannot read. Because they are afraid that you cannot read Latin, right? When you misinterpret the Bible, you will teach heresy. So, to avoid heresy, let the church, the church leader be the one to teach. But you cannot. You cannot even tell Bible story. You cannot do, cannot do that. It is illegal. William Tyndale felt that no, the Word of God needs to be read by everybody. So he was excited about it. And one day he was challenged by a priest about his work, his desire to let common people to read the Word of God. And this is what, and then he was challenged by the priest, and this is what he said to the, the priest here. Okay, this is a bit old English. Let me just read the modern day version. If God spare my life before very long, I shall cause a plowboy to know scriptures better than you. He wanted a common farmer to read the word of God. So he translated the word of God into English. But it was a dangerous thing. And before he went to ask the bishop in London, he asked for permission rejected. And he secretly do it. But before long, he felt that his life is in danger. He escaped to Germany. He was doing the word of God. He was doing the work of God by translating the word of God. But he was persecuted by the people of God. <laughs> what an irony. He had to leave England, go all the way to Germany and then translated the New Testament and he was shipped a lot of Bibles back into England smuggled the Bible into England and the people were spreading. And then people, they discovered that he was in Germany. They went to Germany to find him. Then he ran, escaped to Holland, continued to translate, not just the New Testament, now to the Old Testament. Again, unfortunately, he was betrayed by a merchant and he was brought back and then he was burned in a stake for translating the Bible so that the common people can read the Word of God. God's work will have oppositions because there's an enemy there. 
And sadly, it's by God's people. But yet, God continued to work. And William Tyndale did not give up. He continued. And then when he was, before he, was, he died, he was burned at the stake. He said this, God opened the eyes of the king of England. And guess what? Two years after his death, the king issued. Every church in England will have an English Bible. Will have an English Bible. All because of the work of William Tyndale. And today, our English Bible, many of these have this heritage from the Bible that was translated by William Tyndale. William Tyndale. God's work was not stopped. But there were a lot of opposition, but God was still working then. In the same way also, if God called you to do certain work where you are, when you face oppositions, don't be too quick to quit and think that God is not working. God is always working. We just do not know how He works. Thirdly, God works despite our fear. Fear? Okay. Apostle Paul, fear? Yes, fear. Let's look at the next It was in Philippi, and then he traveled down from the top, go all the way down. He's going to this particular city called Corinth. Corinth. Corinth, the city of Corinth had 200,000 people. It was a bustling city. It is not an easy city because it is a city of reputations of a lot of wickedness, a lot of smart people, a lot of wickedness, a lot of immorality. There were traits there. And a lot of philosophies and new religions there in Corinth. And when Paul arrived at Corinth, you'll be surprised. This is Apostle Paul, the one who is ready to give up his life and the one who had been persecuted and the one who had established the church of God. When he arrived at Corinth, this was what he said. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. Trembling. Paul was trembling. Why? Because this is a city of wickedness. He is alone right now. Silas was left behind. He has gone through so many different kinds of cities where there's fruits, opposition. Fruits, opposition. When he reached there, he punctured. He punctured. He was really exhausted, emotionally exhausted. And he was trembling. Uh, I read certain quotations about what is courage. Courage is not absence of fear. Franklin Roosevelt said, but rather the assessment that something else is more important than the fear. Something else is more important than the fear. And Paul recognized something is more important. Let's look at what happened after when he was in Corinth. Look at what said, God said to him. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silenced. Why? For I am with you. No one is going to attack or harm you because I have many people in this city. I have many people in this city. Apostle Paul, courageous man, man of God, man who wrote many words of God. But here we see he's a man in fear and trembling. Fear and trembling is very natural. Very natural. 
we will encounter that when we want to do the Word of God, work of God. We will encounter that. It is okay. But God can still work despite our fear, despite our trembling. Because our God is strong. And guess what? Paul continued to minister at Corinth. And there were some fruits. And later on, a church was established. In fact, if you look at the New Testament, all the churches there, the church that is most gifted, have a lot of ministry, a lot of giftings, which are giving is which church? Church of Corinth. Of course, it's also one of the churches that have full of problems, full of divisions, full of uh, nonsense. But yet, at the same time, it was a very vibrant church. God's work continued despite Paul's uh, so-called fear. And of course, before Paul left Corinth, there was opposition also. The people came together and the people tried to chase Paul out. So, let's recap. Next slide. God is always working around us. God's kingdom is extending. And you and I, we are destined to be, uh, to, to be part of this kingdom in, its, in, its, in extending it and its value. You and I, we are destined for this heavenly kingdom. Enlarge your ambition for this. And in the midst of this, recognize that even though when we have dispute, so-called things don't go out our way or when there's fear, God is still working all the time. Paul recognized this. That is why Paul continued on and plowed on. And we can learn from the example of Paul in a great way. I want to share with you the second story from this Heroes of Faith series from the, the library. You can go, can go and borrow. It's a cartoon. Very easy to watch. It's Gladys Howard. Gladys Howard. She, it is Gladys Howard. She's a, a British. When she was young, she was short. And then she felt that God called her to go to China. China. So she she, she, she sold away everything, buy a one-way ticket, travel by train from England all the way to China. Right? And yes, there was another story. Said. And when she arrived there, she worked with another person to assist, but the other person passed away. So she was all alone. And she was very fearful. Along the journey, she was fearful. When she was left alone, she was also fearful. But God blessed her and opened up a way for her that she became a food inspector. <laughs> because China at the time, you had to tie the food, right? Until very small. Then there was a law passed that it is illegal now to tie food. So he was given a Chinese official, uh, gave, him a, gave her a job to go to various houses to measure people's food, to make sure that they don't continue to practice this. This law had to be enacted. So as she was measuring people's food, she shared the gospel share the gospel. She's going to talk about. And then she was given a nickname. It's called uh, Yang Guizhi, okay, the foreign, the, the foreign devil. And, and one day, there was a riot in the prison. It was a chaotic riot. And then the city official, and this prison was filled with murderers, bandits, and thieves. They were rioting, rioting and they were killing people inside. And the official came to Gladys Howard and said that, okay, you go inside and stop the riot. He said, hello, 
you send soldier, you, you send me? How can you send me? You send soldier and solve the problem. You send me, I will, I will be dead. And the prisoner, uh, the governor said this. Well, how can they kill you? You go around telling people that you have a living God inside you, right? You preach about the power of God. You preach about God everywhere. Let's see. God will help you. So she was in great fear and she prayed this prayer. Say, God, give me strength. She went in and there were dead bodies all around in the prison. And then she saw a convict with an axe. So a a meat axe ready to strike. At the time, somehow she prayed in her heart. She said, God, do your will. She stepped forward and with courage, despite her fear, she said, hand me the axe. And the man, surprisingly, calmed down, hand her the axe. And then the man began to, began to talk to the man why they're having rioting. They realized that they're having rioting because the condition in the prison was so terrible. There were no food. People were dying of sickness. That's why they riot. So they became the mediator between the prisoners as well as the governor and then calmed the whole place. And then since then, she had earned that credibility. They changed her name. No longer call her Yang Guizhi. They call her Ai Weite or the Virtuous One. Same like her name, uh, our word, Ai Weite, the Virtuous One. She depended on God and she served and she became a great missionary, blessing the, a lot of people. There are many other stories about Gladys Howard. Please go and read about it. I'm not going to tell more, but I encourage you to read. But what I want to share is that God's work will face oppositions. There will be fear. But despite the fear, if you continue to plow on, God will continue to work. It might as if it seems as if that things are not going well. Things are not going well. Enemy seems to be working. It seems to be winning. Just like the Lord Jesus Christ. When you see the Lord Jesus Christ, he was a man sent by God. He claimed to be God. And yet people were rejected him. And when he died on the cross, it seems as if that all is lost to the disciples. All is lost. But he hang on to the cross. Let's look at what Isaiah say about the Lord. Next. Our Lord, he endured the suffering that should have been ours, the pain that we should have been we should have borne. All the while we thought that his suffering was punishment sent by God, as if darkness, as if it was defeated. But because of our sins, he was wounded, beaten because of the evil we did. We were healed by the punishment he suffered, made whole by the blows he received. He stayed on the cross. He did not give up. Why? For me. For you. For me. For you. He stayed on. And God do his miraculous work. Three days later, resurrections. Easter Sunday. For us. So let's come to God in prayer. Invite the musicians to come forward. I'd like us to take this time just to yield to God. God, I may have weakness. I may have a past. Sometimes there might be quarrels. I may have fear. But God, I know that despite all these things, you are still working. And right now, ask the Lord to open your eyes to see, to see his work. 
to see his working in our midst. Some of you, I believe God have planted a desire to do something where you are, either in your family, in your neighborhood, in your schools, in your workplace. And maybe the thing that's stopping you could be a fear, or could be questions, or could be maybe you feel that you don't have the credibility, some failures in the past. And today, God wants to encourage you Despite all these things, God can still work. It's time to rise up and believe. Take on what God has brought in His place for you. And by faith to move on. And use praise and worship as a weapon. something bigger not making mud pies in the slum don't be too easily pleased or satisfied rise as you sing this song Our Father it's a Lord's prayer make it your prayer to see God's kingdom be established where you are
to pray out loud just let the Lord bring to your imagination what it means if God's kingdom if God's will is at work fully at work at where you are right now what do you think will happen at your workplace at your home at where you study at your neighborhood what do you think 
let God expand your imagination and pray for that to be a reality right now. Let's just pray for God's kingdom to come where you are right now. Let's all pray together. Oh, Lord, Father. Father, thank you, thank you, Lord. You will continue. Father, I know that you will heal. That you will heal. I pray that you will heal people with love, people with sin, people who follow after godly values. specific individuals, how they will turn to God. Specific situations, God's value will be established. Just pray for that to become a reality. for your word. We thank you for Apostle Paul. I pray that God, we will not be so easily pleased, not so easily satisfied in building our own kingdom on earth, but Lord, help us to realize that we are meant for your kingdom, your glory, your power, your what you have, your, your, your joy. There's so much more, Father, that you have to offer. Therefore, Lord, I pray that God, you expand, expand our visions, expand our desire towards what God you desire, that we pray and see your kingdom come, Father, where we are. That God, we will not be so-called stopped by our fear, by our lack of faith, even our failures, but to trust in you, Father, as we avail ourselves, that you will work. You are going to establish your kingdom. It is a reality. And we want to join you. 
we want to join you, Father. Just like Paul, who joined you, he gave up everything, considered all his accomplishments as nothing compared to what you have offered. Therefore, Father, I pray you give us that vision, give us that desire for your kingdom, for your glory. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. In Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Amen.